Hey, thank you so much for taking time to listen to the messages preached at the Overthrow Conference presented to you by the J. Makopo Podcast. We had this conference celebrating one year in ministry and I believe that each of these messages will bless you. So without wasting any time, let's get into it. Greetings, everyone. My name is Unusi Salomo, and I am so excited to be here today. Thank you so much to Jay for having me be a part of this. So before we start, I'd like us to just close our eyes for a few seconds and pray. Father God, thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for your presence. I pray for each and every person that in their space, almighty God, that Lord, your presence may be made manifest. We pray that this word, oh God, may become flesh, oh Father, and that lives may be changed that lives may be transformed oh god we thank you we give you all the glory may you speak through me oh god may your word prevail oh god and may everything that i speak come straight from your heart in the mighty name of jesus christ we pray amen amen so the theme of this conference is overthrow now you know when we speak of overthrow we're speaking about taking over now what is the reason that someone would want to overthrow maybe a government or 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 overthrow some sort of a regime. The reason why you overthrow is because you're not happy with what's going on. You're not happy with how people are ruling. You're not happy with how people are leading at that time, which is why the title that I'm about to speak on today is so relevant, which is don't settle for less. Now, when you are feeling like you're not happy about something, you're probably not going to settle for what it is that you're being given. And that is the reason why you'll probably overthrow. Now, the issue comes when we are comfortable. When you're comfortable, you're probably going to settle. Now, as believers, we compromise a lot. And compromising causes for settling. What is settling? When you take or accept what it is that God has not given you. Or place yourself in a place that God has not sent you to. Why do you settle? Why do we settle? We settle because we don't believe that God has something better for us. We trust our feelings and thoughts more than we trust the voice of God. Being dependent on the will of God is very difficult. You have to make a lot of difficult decisions that are fulfilled through obedience. How do we know if it is the will of God to not be in a certain place? If where you are doesn't align with the standards and the principle God has placed, it probably isn't for you. This place can be a relationship work, business, or friendships. Some of us are so young. Some of you are so young. You're probably 25. You're probably 30. Yet you're settling where you are in a relationship because you feel like there is nothing better for you. Feel like, you know, you're getting older. You know, some of us make weird statements at such a young age. Oh, my biological clock is ticking or I must just settle with this guy. I must just be okay with this girl. I'm not getting any younger. I mean, there aren't a lot of good girls out there. So I just need to pick my problem and be happy with it. And, you know, sometimes we feel like we're too old for university. We don't want to be there with these young kids. You know, wealth is not your portion because you don't have a job or a degree. Um, You can't even think of a business idea. I'm not creative enough to have a business idea. So, I mean, what wealth could I 
currently or even potentially acquire what what could i possibly be leading and you are young even if you are older age is not an excuse getting older is not an excuse for settling for less than god's best this is the problem that this generation has we are living in a generation that promotes not having any standards we are a generation that trusts our newfound intellect and knowledge more than god we think we are above god we find security in the wrong things in the wrong faith bases and we are not in christ we are a rebellious generation and our rebellion is, is, is it has no direction it has no potential it has no growth point now a great example of 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 what i of this journey of living our best life of living in god's best because the opposite of settling is living in god's best if you do not want to settle if you do not want to be comfortable then you want to live in god's best now living in god's best takes for us to be dependent on God's promises for our lives. God's promises are in his word. So when we read the word of God, we see all these promises that he has for us. Now, how are we going to live in God's best if we do not trust the promises that God has put in his word? Now, living in God's best comes with obedience, comes with trusting in God. Now, in a great example, again, of, of, of trust, of living in obedience that we see in the word of God, where, where, where Sarah and Abraham, because they had to be dependent and reliant on a promise that God had made to them. Now, you know, trusting in God is, is, is so important in this journey. In Genesis chapter 20, we see how Abraham and Sarah, who were married to each other, traveled to this new place. And due to safety reasons, maybe political, you know, Abraham lies. You know, he lies. He says that Sarah is his sister. And he, he, he does this to try and protect himself and Sarah from harm. Now, problem number one. Abraham. This is the problem that starts. Amaga lies. Lies stem from a place of insecurity. You are trying to cover yourself. We, you know, we find ourselves trying to cover ourselves with lies because we do not trust the covering of God. So what happens if you live a lie and don't have integrity? You walk outside of God's covering. So instead of being honest and just trusting that with the principle of integrity, God will cover him and keep him safe. He devises his own way of keeping his family safe. And that lie causes for him to lose his wife to the king of that area. That king took Sarah and made her his wife. Problem number two. Remember, I initially said that God had made a promise to Sarah and Abraham. God had said to Sarah that she would become pregnant and have a son named Isaac by Abraham. Now, 
because Abraham decided, you know, I don't trust that me being truthful, me being having integrity is going to protect me. I don't trust God. I trust that my lies are going to protect me. If I lie and make this lie, I'm going to be covered with my wife. He ends up losing his wife to the king because the king's like, oh, this is Wakolo. All right, this is your sister. All right, I'm going to take her and make her my wife. And so now, how is this promise that God had brought to Sarah and Abraham going to be fulfilled without Sarah? <laughs> you know, he lost his wife. Now, how will God's promise be fulfilled? Now there's a detour in his life because of a lie. Then God being God, hey, God, he remained faithful and gave that undeserved favor and mercy to save Abraham and Sarah and tells this king, you know, hey, God being God decides what's okay. Abraham has now messed up. Now he's lost his wife, but I still love him. Therefore, I'm going to save him from himself. God goes to this king in such a gangster way, though, you know, he goes to this king. He says, listen here, this woman that you've now taken to be your wife is a prophet's wife. My man, someone who is mine, you've taken his wife. Now, if you do not return <laughs> that wife back to him, you and your family are gonna die. Do you hear me? You are going to die. So what I'm going to need you to do is to take Sarah and take him back to his, take her back to her husband. And this king is like, but God, he told me that that's his sister. So what's the problem? And God says, yay, I said, <laughs> That is Abraham's wife. Bring him back. Bring her back to Abraham. Now this king knows that God doesn't play. If God says, then it means. So he restores Sarah back to Abraham. And what I learned from this is that, and that what we should learn from this is that, Faithlessness will deter you. You will lose what God gave you if you walk outside of his promise. Regardless of the circumstance you might have put yourself in, God's mercy and grace is sufficient for you. If you are a Abraham or have been an Abraham who has pressed the self-destruct button in your own life with bad decisions, with disobeying God, with living a life of sin. God still wants to use you. God still wants to restore you. You are not beyond repair. There is restoration and wholeness in Christ. God wants to fulfill his promise in your life. The reason why God wins before Abraham and saved him from himself is because God wanted to fulfill 
the promise that he made to them. He wanted that promise to be fulfilled. So we need to walk in life understanding that God wants to fulfill his promises unto us. So now for us to understand what this promise is, we need to understand that what, what is it that, that Abraham had put at stake by lying, by, by, by throwing away his integrity to, to try and, and, and make him, to protect himself or to protect his family? We need to understand what was at stake. In Genesis 17, God appears to Abraham and Sarah. He comes before them to come and tell them about this promise of Isaac. Now, at that time, Abraham was Abraham. He was old. He was 99 years old. Sarah was also very old. And God comes to them and says, you know, I, 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 this, there's this desire I have to give you a son. He tells them that I promise, it's, this is in Genesis 17 verse 4. He says, I promise that you will be the father of many nations. That's why I now change your name from Abraham to Abraham. I will give you a lot of descendants. And in the future, they will become great nations. Some of them will even be kings. Now, after God makes this promise to Abraham, he literally looks at God and goes, uh, um, Listen, um, my wife, the one you think is going to be pregnant, she's 90. Literally, in the word of God, it says that in verse 17, Abraham bowed with his face to the ground and thought, I am almost 100 years old. How can I become a father? And Sarah is 90. How can she have a child? So he started laughing. Abraham laughed at God. <laughs> he, he literally was like, eh, sir, what? It's like, you know, when someone comes and tells you something, hey, I believe that tomorrow you will have a car. You know, you, you will be blessed with a car. You know, it's just like, what? What you talking about? Like, I don't even have a job. Like, what you mean I'm going to have a car tomorrow? Like, okay. <laughs> you know, that, that was Abraham. He was like, what? Like, it's like, if you think of it even in present time, the idea of a woman who is 90 years old having a child is absolutely impossible, you know? And God made this promise to Abraham above everything else that would come of the son through this pregnancy, the, the many great things that would come of Isaac. And this is us. That, that love did not come necessarily because Abraham did not trust God. It, it, it mostly came from insecurity. He was insecure about his age. He was insecure, and that could be you and me. We, we can be insecure about our looks. We can be insecure about our age. We can be insecure uh, uh, about our circumstance and think to ourselves, how, how can I, I get this God's best from where I am currently in my life? And we tend to settle because he even says, he, he, you know, we find that Abraham almost settled because he says, why not let Ishmael inherit what you have promised me? Does that not sound like us when we're settling? 
Hey, but God, I'm okay, you know. I'm okay with where I am. I'm okay with my life. He, he tried to settle. Why, why not just give Ishmael this? Why do I have to, at my old age, have a son? And God says, no. You and Sarah will have a son. His name will be Isaac. And I will make an everlasting promise to him and his descendants. When God said, he has said, we just need to obey. We will lose out on the promise of God because we want to settle. We will lose out on God's best because we want to settle. Don't settle for less. Don't allow your insecurities to get in the way of the promise of God for your life. Don't let the insecurity about your looks, skill, age, finances keep you away from the promises of God. God's promises will always be way beyond what you can currently touch and see. If it is ridiculous, it's probably from God. If it takes a whole lot of faith and prayer to attain it, it's probably from God. If it takes the blood of Jesus to protect it and the name of Jesus to claim it, it is from God. If you can imagine it, it is possible. Now, living a godly life is living in God's best. How do we live in God's best? Number one, read the word of God. Now, if you are a person that is trying to get a certain body, maybe you want to gain weight or you want to lose weight. There's a certain diet you're going to have. The same goes for living in God's best. The best way to understand God is through his word. If we want to understand what God wants for us, if we want to know God's promises for us, we need to read his word. He says it in his word. We will not find it outside of his word. It says in Psalm 119 verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path, which means that God's word is the only thing that's going to bring clarity on the direction of our life. There is no new age belief. There is no belief of the universe. There is no other belief system that will give us an understanding of God's best outside of the word of God. We need to trust. We need to believe that his word is enough. We need to understand and believe that his word will sustain us. Number two, we need to hear the word of God. Now, in order for us to hear the word of God, we need to watch sermons. We need to engage and connect to the local church because God has placed teachers. God has placed pastors. God has placed them so and given them an understanding, a revelation, you know, so that we are able to, to, to also connect to what it is that God is doing at our current time. So you cannot disconnect yourself. 
from what's happening. You cannot disconnect yourself from the church. You cannot disconnect yourself because then you will lose out on the move of God. You need to hear the word. It needs to be ever moving in your ear in order for you to be able to receive the promises of God, in order for you to be able to connect to the promises of God. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, how will you have faith if you are not hearing the word of God? You need to hear the word of God in order for your faith to be built. You will lose faith. You will lose faith if you do not listen to the word of God. If you do not connect yourself. It says... Also, number three, do the word of God. James chapter one, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. We need to actually put action behind what it is that the word of God tells us to do. You cannot just be posting. We cannot just be posting the word of God to motivate ourselves. But we actually need to do what it says. We actually need to obey what it says. Because the word of God is the heart of God. It is exactly what it is that he's saying. Therefore, we need to act upon it. Then number four, worship God. It says in Exodus chapter 23 verse 25, Worship the Lord your God. And his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you. We need to worship the Lord our God. We need to honor him with our lives. Everything, every step, every breath needs to worship the King of Kings. We need to continually be honoring and be in reverence and be in awe of God and his presence because he is a great, great God. Number five, we need to live a life of repentance which means walk in conviction and discernment by being sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3 verse 8. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Now repentance means that in our everyday life, we are listening to the Holy Spirit. You know, you know sometimes you will say something, maybe that's out of line. Some, sometimes the things we say, like Abraham is an example. He said one thing, it almost aborted everything, you know. So our words carry power. The things we say carry power. Um, and so we need to always live in repentance where when we feel or hear, what, okay, I've said something that is out of line. And that will come from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will check you and be like, hey, you've said the wrong thing now. And, and, and you have to repent, you know. Repentance means that renew, it's a constant renewal and changing and, and, and moving forward and not moving backwards. And, and that comes, it's a walk, it's a journey. And we need to journey in that in order for us to, to, to bear the fruits. It says in Matthew chapter 3 verse 8, it produces fruit to live in repentance. So living in constant, oh, that's wrong. You know, oh, there's that anger issue coming up. That's wrong. God, uh, I, I change that in me, transform that in me. You know, I, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to speak like that again. I don't want to use words like that again. I don't want to react like that again. That produces fruits in our lives. And so then we're able to live in God's place. So you will never have to strive and pursue ungodly things to bring to fruition that which God has prepared for you. A godly life means making decisions that are pleasing to God and therefore bear fruit to a life of purpose and prosperity. So here is a promise I have for you in 2021. God has a better job, better business deal, better friendships, better partnerships, 
and an all-around better life for you. Don't settle. A child of God, listen, guys, if you're a child of God, you can't chance by settling. You know, 1 Peter 2 verse 9, this is where God is telling us who we are and whose we are. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This, this, I love this Christian scripture. It is so, it, it, it is, it's so heavy. It, it, I love it's potent. It's so potent and descriptive and, and, and so direct. If you want to be reminded of who you are and whose you are, I need you to continually read first peter chapter 2 verse 9 if you don't want to if you don't want to settle on anything on anyone in life read first peter chapter 2 verse 9 so you can be reminded of who you are i mean go to the mirror read it to yourself remind yourself understand that you are not even cut from a cloth because you are a unique material weaved uniquely by god and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5 says, The Spirit of God whets our appetites by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts, so we'll never settle for less. So here are three points I want to leave you with. Don't compromise on your walk with God. Don't compromise on who you are. Live in God's best. Don't just take the fake version of something. Get the real thing. With the spiritual currency that is salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, Philippians 4 verse 19 reminds us, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Which means there is more than enough in Christ Jesus it's not small there's more than enough there's so much more in God and God wants so much more of us so don't settle for the life that you're living currently whether spiritually physically mentally don't settle there is more in God there is more in Christ seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all these things shall be added unto you. God doesn't even want to list what those things are because there's just so much. Like, he, he doesn't specify a, a car will be added unto you, a house will be added unto you, a degree will be added unto you, a wife will be added unto you, a husband will be added unto you, clothes will be added unto you, money will be added unto you. He says all because he, he understands that this it's just so much. It's just too much for me to even start writing a list for, for my children. A list. For my children, that's God. For my children, I can't even listen. All shall be added unto you. So I want us to connect to the promises of God. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hearing. And thank you for doing. Be blessed. Hey, thank you so much for listening and tuning in to the messages 
preached at the conference. If you know someone who needs this message, please share it to them. And don't forget to subscribe, share the likes and leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. Take care.